When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. Welcome to One Last Network and the Art of Counseling Pet Parents in Grief. Today, Nancy Kiefer of Nancy Kiefer Photography in Syracuse, New York, interviews Linda Coletti of the Pet Loss Resource Center in Madison, Wisconsin. Linda recently took the reins of the Pet Loss Resource Center after acting as the Director of Support Services for several years. She launched her grief career in the late 80s after experiencing the loss of several pregnancies. She chose to live her life in grief, becoming a grief counselor and working for Hospice Care Incorporated for 21 years, facilitating support groups, individual counseling, and other presentations. She has authored 101 Rainbow Ribbons, helping children understand basic concepts of dying and death, and she now dedicates her life to guiding pet guardians on their grief journeys. At the Pet Loss Resource Center, she provides a safe place for pet parents to express their grief over the tremendous loss they endure after their pets have been lifted up. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Individualized Grief Counseling and Social Work, and she has completed course study at American Pet Loss and Bereavement. The Pet Loss Resource Center, founded in 2009 by Mark Meinholz, provides free support to the pet-loving community. It is dedicated to providing pet parents with supportive resources as they face the hardest part of loving a companion animal, the last goodbye. Have a listen. I am with Linda Coletti right now. She is from Madison, Wisconsin, and she is with the Pet Loss Resource Center. Through One Last Network, we have a community group and uh, someone posted the article that was in, was it the Madison, Wisconsin journal? Yes. Yeah. And uh, someone had posted that in there. And so we read that and I decided to do the interview with you. Oh, that's wonderful. Very far reaching, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, So why don't you just tell me a little bit about you and what brought you into this arena of doing uh, pet loss grief? <laughs> well, it's kind of a long and winding road. I started, uh, it, it actually goes back to my 20s when I was um, working as an LPN, uh, licensed practical nurse. Um, and during that time, I was a young woman and I um, had some uh, pregnancies that I lost. I lost four babies, one stillborn, which kind of threw me into a grief like I couldn't believe. I didn't know what was happening to me. It was very difficult. Um, formed a support group at that time for bereaved parents. And because of all of that, I got very interested in death and dying and bereavement, ended up 
um, working for hospice care and worked ended up working there 21 years but immediately i knew that i wanted to work in bereavement i really that was my where i wanted to be so i finished my degree in grief counseling and bereavement or and um social work and all the time during hospice i i was also very interested in pet bereavement so I did start a support group for people who had lost pets. And I um, even counseled people. They would call me, you know, one-on-one -on -one and wanted to talk. So then many years went by and I retired, sort of, not really. <laughs> and I... Um, I a friend sent me the, uh, an advertisement for... Uh, this group that was looking for pet loss counselor. And I thought, well, okay, that sounds very interesting. And so I signed on to that and worked for them uh, for a while, uh, for about five, well, about four years um, with them. And then a couple years now for in, independently. Um, and I, honestly feel like I found my home. Um, I love working with pet pet parents. Um, they have the biggest hearts and I think they have um, a bigger need, you know, for support. And why do you feel that is that they have the bigger need? It, do you think it's because it doesn't seem to be an accepted an accepted yeah. form in in the society of of grief. Yes, I mean, I think it's getting a little better, perhaps, but um, I think that people after they lose a pet, um, they have to kind of judge who they can talk to um, because. There's that whole faction of people that still say, what's your problem? You know, um, just get another pet, you know, just replace it and everything will be fine. And it is not like that. Um, I don't think the society as a whole understands the intensity of the grief. Um, I really feel that it's very, very close to losing a child. Um, you know, our, our relationship with our pets is so unique. They're always there. They're our comfort. They're, they don't grow up and move away. They um, are there and they depend on us and we depend on them. And so the loss is, and they're part of our everyday life. So the loss is huge. And I don't think the community understands that. Um, and then people don't get you know, two weeks off for of work for pet loss. Um, they don't get, you know, often don't have funerals. They don't get flowers. They don't get the support, you know, the support out there that is needed. And I think all those things are in place uh, for when humans die and they're in place for a reason. And people with who've lost, you know, a major being in their life they just you know they kind of stay um more isolated i guess 
yeah. and deal with their grief on their own. Definitely. Now, do you feel, was there a special uh, pet in your life that kind of, that you felt this led you into? I, I guess I've always, I've always had pets. You know, they're just an important part of, of my life. Um, and, but I guess that there were two pets that were kind of my heart pets. And um, one was a cat named Shakora. He was a scaredy cat. Um, and, but he was so dear. And I remember when I heard, you know, got the news that he was, you know, failing and was going to die. I, I asked him to give me a sign. I wasn't sure when to you know, have him euthanized. And I just rocked him all night long and held him. And by like six in the morning, he had his first major seizure. And I thanked him profusely for giving me the sign. That's what I needed to know, mm. you know, so that I could proceed. Um, so he was a really special cat. But then my my heart dog had kind of an interesting story. For some reason, I feel like my pets, when I've gotten pets, it's there's some voice in me telling me I have to get one, you know. <laughs> and um, for some reason, I had this, all of a sudden, I felt like my I needed to get a dog. I had to have a dog. And I grew up with Packer Spaniels. And I thought, well, I'll just go to the Humane Society and um, see if there's a cocker spaniel there. I didn't think there would be, but um, I'll look at the other dogs. And of course, there was one cocker spaniel, a little red girl sitting there with her big brown eyes looking up at me and looking just pitiful. And it was like my heart just broke open. However, there was a sign on the door that said um, pending adoption. Oh, wow. uh, so I went out and um, went past the front desk, got in my car, turned the ignition on. Something made me turn that off, get back out, go back in. And I, the receptionist was just hanging up the phone. And I said, you know, if anything happens with that adoption for that little red cocker spaniel, I'd be interested. And her mouth just dropped open. And she said, you know who I was just talking to were the people who are going to adopt her and they can't take her. And it was like, wow. oh, there's the sign, you know, she was mine. And Absolutely. she was a healing dog. Um, my husband and I were having some problems at the time. We didn't have children. It's our second marriage. We didn't have children together. This dog became our ours and kind of healed what was going on, you know, because then we were caring for her. So she was she was kind of my miracle dog, you know. She came to me in a very special way. They all all do seem to come to us in in at a time when we need them and need a certain thing. I think. Yes, I think so too. There's something at work there that I don't understand, but I I don't try to understand and just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a, a current pet. Um, 
right? <laughs> I see him behind you. He's, <laughs> he's by the door. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's Skylar. And she's nine, oh, nine and a half years old now. She's a, a little Cavalier King Charles. You know, we got her because that breed is supposed to be a lap dog, and she is definitely a lap dog. She's not high energy. She sleeps and she sits on our lap. She has to be very close to wherever we are. And she's just a, a dear heart, a very, very sweet soul. Talking about her, do you have any anticipatory issues with her? Do you feel the her getting on with age? And Yeah, I do. I mean, she's been very, very healthy. Um, thank goodness, um, because Cavaliers can have heart issues and things like that. She doesn't have any, any of that. But yeah, as the year, years inch on, I, you know, I start thinking about, well, soon we'll have a geriatric dog and we'll see years are numbered. So I'm just trying to focus on, okay, right now, right here, all is good. And we're just going to enjoy her as much as we can. Yeah. So in your practice, do you find that you have people that see you after a dog has died? Or do you have a lot that come to you with anticipatory grief? I'd say in the past, it was mainly after the death. But recently, this last, oh, probably six months or so, I've been having more people coming to me for anticipatory. It, it is kind of a different way of dealing with grief. Grief is grief. Um, and uh, I think that it, they benefit quite a bit by being able to process some of their grief before their de the death of their, their pet. Do you At least preparing them to, ex to know what to expect. And I see that you offer sessions three three times a month, right? Yep. Sessions. Okay. So are they kind of mixed sessions with whoever just wants to come or do, do you deal with a certain topic for each session? So if they want to come for that type of topic or. Yeah. Right now ours are just open. Um, and um, no, there's no sign up. It's a drop in. And we have a little opening, but then it's pretty much letting people tell their story. Um, and then the rest of the group kind of, who, who are all so incredibly supportive, come in and, and you know, share their, their views or what had happened to them, you know. So we just give everybody a chance um, to tell their story. But, um, Upcoming, we're going to be doing like um, more of an educational um, group, do like a three-week group um, with more education and a little bit of support. So then those will be more topic run. Okay. Yeah, because it seems you do a lot of research in between your, your groups. Uh, uh, I saw that you do some research and then you email uh, participants with uh, some additional things to think about. Yeah, I, I do that. <laughs> I try to make note, you know, when we have a group of what 
what topics come up, you know, what are we talking about today? Is it mainly guilt or is it about um, when to get a new pet or, you know, um, oftentimes they'll ask about, you know, signs after the, that they experience after a pet dies. And then I try to find articles um, that will, that uh, kind of um, complement what we talked about. And I do it a lot for me too, um, because it keeps me on top of, of you know, uh, some of these articles and the research and some stuff I don't, you know, I, I kind of sift through what I think is appropriate or, you know, that kind of goes along with um, uh, how I believe, you know, so, um, but um, it's nice for me to be able to offer that to them as, as a handout afterwards, if they want to do more reading on the topics we had discussed. You had worked at the Pet Loss Resource Center mm-hmm. for a while, but now you've taken it over. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So has that been a big transition? Oh, boy. Um, the You know, continuing to do groups and, and one-on-one uh, sessions has been no problem. That kind of has stayed the same, but taking on a nonprofit is a bit outside of my my comfort zone. Um, it's exciting in many ways because I'm independent, um, so I can make some choices. I'm much more autonomous. That's all the good side, but then there's like fundraising and finances and... Um, Oh, taxes, uh, what else? All those things that I know very little about, you know, that just is kind of overwhelming right now, you know? And I I do have a board, but I, um, uh, and I use them a lot. They're wonderful, um, but I still have to, you know, get all these ducks in a row and I just, I'm not a, a business person very, very much. I can do the work, but I, it's, it's just hard and I'm older and it's harder for me to <laughs> learn some of these new things. At least that's my excuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is, it's, you know, it's exciting and we are growing and it's exciting and the possibilities of what we can do in the future are there. So, you know, that's what keeps me plugging along. Is there something in particular coming in the future that you're thinking about or, or yeah. that you can share right now? <laughs> yeah, I think I can. It's just we're looking for dates. Um, we're going to be doing some workshops. One is um, healing art workshop in which we're, we'll kind of use um, uh, that people experience um you know, what what they can do with the, you know, expressive arts, you know, for their own healing. And I'm really excited about that. We have quite a few artists and crafters that um, use, you know, do some of those things already, you know, with with the heart, yes. you know, expressing art 
in spirit. And uh, it's, um, I've seen it be very effective for people. And I, and I, we're going to offer that um, like a three hour workshop coming up this summer sometime. And then we're going to offer a workshop on everyday ritual. Um, and, you know, both of these will be open to the community. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then we're going to have an art and craft fair on um, th that are have uh, pet related items, you know. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure about when that will be, but I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, and then the other thing is we're going to open a store on our website and sell items that um, some of the participants make. So to bring in a little extra money for, for our organization and for them too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, lots of things are are in the works. That sounds wonderful. When it comes to the groups, when people are expressing their grief, I know sometimes there's a lot of guilt people feel for their pets. I know I felt a lot of guilt with my one dog, uh, my heart dog, uh, when, when he died because I, uh, I didn't have the money, number one, to, to do a lot of medical stuff. And even if I did, they said it would only give him like uh, three months more or something. So it wasn't, it wasn't going to cure him. <laughs> so I know I felt a lot of guilt myself. So is, do you work on some things like for self-forgiveness? Yeah, it seems like guilt comes up in every session we do um you know there's your your pup coming in <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh nice um yeah you know i i think everybody feels some kind of guilt there's there's the guilt of oh i euthanized too soon you know why didn't i try more treatments why did you know maybe they weren't ready um, and oftentimes, I think the pets kind of rally. Sometimes they rally a little bit when they're nearing the end. And then you kind of think like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe maybe he's going to be okay. Um, and then there's people on the other side who um, feel guilty for not euthanizing soon enough. They saw their pets suffer and wish they would have done it sooner. So yeah, there's both sides, both sides of that. And I mean, we beat ourselves up so much with the woulda, coulda, shouldas, you know? And the thing is, yeah, we keep going back to, you did the best you could at the moment with the information you had, and you were acting out of love. Um, I think intention is is so important, you know, that you 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 wanting the best for your pet. But I think that also, like you were saying, the money issue, I think we still have to consider our own needs too. Um, I knew I just talked to a woman who was a caregiver for her dog for three years where she was taking the dog outside to potty. 
um, because he couldn't walk. She had to carry him out and carry him back in. And the stress of caregiving on her was just taking its toll. She just couldn't keep doing it, you know, and she was feeling guilty about that. But I think we too have to consider our limitations. It, it We can't look into the future and see would this, would, would it extend their life? Would they have good quality of life if, if we tried that treatment or, you know, if we kept them alive for another two months, would that be good or would it be bad? We don't know. And I kind of feel like, and I don't know, you know, you may feel um, different or the same. I don't know. But I feel like when we consider euthanasia, when that thought crosses our mind, like, is it time? I think it's time that somehow maybe they are communicating, our pets are communicating to us that it is time. And I, again, I don't know how any of that works, but, um, you know, it, it, we just, we like to beat ourselves up a lot for, for <laughs> that. And yet for all the times and all the love and all the care we've given them, I think they're okay with what our decision is, you know, we're the ones as humans that have to make ourselves feel awful about it. So yeah, self-forgiveness and it, you have to just keep at it. I think, you know, and know that you did, you love this dog, the dog knew that, or the pet knew that, and you did the best you could. Yeah. But it's a hard one. Right. Yeah. Do, do you work with a, people with a lot of varieties of pets? Not a lot. Um, I have had, we have had bunnies. Um, we've had um, oh, chinchillas. I have had a pig, one pig, um, a horse, and a hamster. I th oh, and, and a bird. Oh, yeah. You know, not often. It's usually cats and dogs, but yeah, there are others that come through, and it's it's all kind of the same. Yeah. Same grief. Well, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you would like to talk about? Yeah, I guess I just feel like I don't know. I I feel so honored to be with people at this time. I think that. You know, I there's no magic or anything in in working with pet parents who are grieving. They have all the wisdom within themselves, you know, and I feel like I'm just, you know, walking with them and um, letting them find their their own path because there's I wish there was a magic wand and I could you know, just take all the pain away and poof, they'll be fine. But I don't have access to one. But I do think that the resiliency of people is, it's life affirming for me to witness. And even though you never forget your pet, um, you never stop grieving, you learn how to incorporate it into your life and be able to move on and maybe accept another pet into your heart. Um, and I just find that 
you know, it's just so um, amazing to to watch that kind of unfold in everybody. Yeah, so it's a good place to to be putting my efforts right now. That's great. I'm sure everybody appreciates the time you take with them and the follow up that you do with them. You go the extra mile for people, it seems. I try to, you know, and all of us who've been there and had to experience losing a special pet, you know, we know the pain of it, you know, um, and how how hard it is and how lonely it can be, you know. So, yeah, I, I feel like so much of my life just kind of led me here. Now, um, if anyone wanted to get a hold of you at the Pet Loss Resource Center, how would they do that? They can contact me um, at our, um, on our, well, on our website, we have a place where people can contact, and that's um, petlossresourcecenter.org. And the other place would be our email, and that would be plrcmadison at gmail.com. I check messages all the time. And the nice thing about, uh, if there was a nice thing about COVID, we're all using, we all learned how to use Zoom pretty well. So I do two of my groups are Zoom meetings. And the benefit of that is then I can include people from farther away too. And that is, that is a plus. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with me today. I really appreciate well, that. Thank you for asking me. It's been nice talking to you. That we feel alone in the world after saying goodbye to our beloved companion animals and are burdened by the guilt that we could have done something more to save them are recurrent themes in this podcast. I invite you to re-listen to The Art of Loving a Soul Dog with Colleen Ellis from May 6th, in which we dig a bit into guilt and how it affects the way we grieve, the way we may see a new family member when another special fur babe finds her way into our hearts. I've been thinking for some time that I may do a series of just me digging into the major emotions, more often referred to as the stages, that accompany grief. Just me, on my own talking into the microphone, because I sure as heck experienced them all last year. I probably still do experience them at times. Anger was a fun one. There was no looking sideways at me last summer. I was one pissed off ball of anger. If that's something you'd like to hear, please let me know in the comments or share with me how you experience each of those emotions, guilt, anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance, Please email me at Angela at onelastnetwork.com if you don't want it aired publicly. Though I may, with your permission, share your thoughts anonymously. Or if you've experienced this tremendous loss of a best fur friend and want to be interviewed and share your thoughts, drop me a line. I'd love to chat. Oftentimes, we are connected by the loneliness we feel, but we don't know how to reach out and find support. We feel shame for our grief that we can't express it publicly because we have been told we should feel silly for grieving the loss of a dog or a cat or a horse, a goat, a pig, a chinchilla. 
But remember what Colleen said in episode 10, The Art of Making Memories. 70% of our population has a pet. 83% of that 70% refer to themselves as mommy and daddy. So you and I, we look at our pets as family members, right? Pet loss is still referred to as a very disenfranchised grief. But the rules for pet loss, the rules for pet grief, the rules for pet mourning, the rules for pet rituals are written by the 30% who don't get it. So the 30% turn to us and say, Angela, you are extreme. I mean, it's just a dog. You should probably get over that. Next week. Oh boy. I expect this to be a bit of a tearjerker. Darlene Woodward of Panthetown Photography interviews Dr. Jennifer Cushing of beloved pet home euthanasia and hospice in North Reading, Massachusetts. They're going to dig into one of the biggest questions we have as pet guardians. How do we know when it's time? Until then. I'm Angela Schneider, owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella Snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.